0: Hi, everybody. This is Pete Warrell from Bigelow, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Positive Enterprise Value Podcast. Ever notice that some private enterprises successfully transition through evolutions and revolutions in leadership, management, even ownership? Some end up with terrific new majority owners the entrepreneur-owner-managers moving gracefully into the next interesting and rewarding chapter of their lives surrounded by friends, their positive legacy assured, and their independence powered by the fortune they've just realized, while others, well, others' outcomes can look more like a train wreck. Is it merely luck, or is it more than luck? At Bigelow, we think it's more than luck. We can learn from the experiences of our peers. So in this series of podcasts, I interview seasoned, successful entrepreneur, owner, managers who are high performers, maybe even peak performers in their niche domains. We look for patterns of connectedness across those domains, and we publish these candid one-on-one, unedited interviews with some of the most high-performing entrepreneurs from both the for-profit and not-for-profit sectors to learn from their experiences. So as a private business owner, let me ask you, what's your best way of learning? Do you have to make every mistake or failure on your own as if you were the first one to ever encounter that challenge? Or can you learn from the experiences of others? Because if you can, that is a superpower which exponentially multiplies your learning, your achievement, and your positive legacy. Here, we hear the real life stories of other entrepreneurs which helps us to look in the mirror and see a little of ourselves in there. Let's listen and learn. Today, our Quarantine Questions rapid-fire interview is with Cam Brensinger. Cam is the founder and CEO of Nemo Equipment. Nemo is widely regarded as one of the most innovative and creative designers of outdoor gear in North America and has many, many national awards under its belt for that. Their slogan basically says it all, quote, design like you give a damn, unquote. Cam and I spoke on Tuesday, June 23rd. I would say that you were part of the uh, genesis of this idea that I had. After talking to you uh, a couple of weeks ago, I thought to myself, wow, I wish I could have recorded that so that other entrepreneur owner managers could hear kind of what you were thinking about and kind of what you were going through and they could benefit by it. And I thought, you know what, why don't we do a half a dozen or a handful of very short you know, rapid fire podcast where we could just talk about the quarantine and our learnings from the quarantine. And maybe it would help each other uh, by just uh, being able to have some peer-to-peer learning online.
1: Well, that's cool, Pete, because it's it's kind of a little closed loop then, because I would say a conversation I had with you in the very beginning of all this um, inspired a good bit of our thinking. So,
0: well, so, so let me, let me lead off by asking you. So like the, the, it strikes me, and probably you too, that the virus or the quarantine, I'm going to just going to refer to it as the quarantine, the learnings we get from that, um, accelerated some creativity and innovation in some people and in their behavior. In some it didn't. Maybe you could just uh, like give just a quick outline. Are there a couple of data points that you could tell us of what's happened at Nemo Equipment and um, – here we are at the end of June, kind of where we are now. Can you give us a data point for, you know, in 2020, where you thought you'd be, where you are, just so we can start off with some facts?
1: Yeah. So we, when we were coming into 2020, um, we had a forecast in the neighborhood of 32 million in in the top line. And, uh, and at this point we're anticipating Ending the year about a third down from that, but when the when the crisis hit, when the pandemic hit, um, we downgraded the forecast by fifty percent.
0: So, uh, when you say when the pandemic hit, do you, do you have an approximate date that you would refer back to that say that's that was a date for you that was a meaningful date?
1: I do, and you know, in, in hindsight, you know, I can't believe we watched this unfolding in China, you know, or in Asia. Um, Where so much of our supply chain is and didn't realize sooner that it was a pandemic. But um, but I would say in our case, we look at kind of week one as the week of March 16th, so mid-March. Yeah. When we had our um our first conversations as a team of holy cow, this is real, this is we're gonna have to um to make some drastic and immediate changes.
0: Yeah, uh, just uh, FYI, same for Bigelow. We actually uh, had planned to have the day be Monday, March 16th, that we were going to stress test all of our digital systems just in case we had to use them, and we actually never stopped using them. I canceled a week's uh, international travel that week just because I felt like I wanted to be with our team uh, while I could, and <laughs> it's been a, it's been the change ever since.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was reflecting on this earlier. Um so my wife's sister's wedding was the weekend right oh, yeah. before that. and Yeah, uh, you were in California. And so, we, I, you know, and it was a family wedding. At that point, we had serious reservations, but felt like we needed, we couldn't miss this wedding. And uh, only a week later, of course, all those plans would have changed. I'm sure they would have called the wedding off. But But having to travel and fly through L.A. at the very outset of this, Yeah, helped me in a lot of ways, I think, you know, kind of rapidly come to terms with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if you think about those days, that's funny. I remember you went to California because Kareem, I think, was there at the same time. So if you think back at that point, when you think back at at Nemo, how
1: fast did Nemo pivot? I would say we pivoted very fast. And I guess my only... Point of my only really good point of reference is I sit on the the board of our industries trade association um, and just watching the pace of a nonprofit versus a small for profit brand. You know, we, we, you know, within a few days um, of what we consider the outset, so called the week of March 16th. We had already cut expenses by. We'd already cut almost all of our expenses. Moved our our pay to a, a one third reduction, um, and really started intensively gathering intel, and and you know and and sort of had already come to terms with. You know we're heading into a whole new reality right now. We need to do the best we can to understand it. I think you and I talked um, that first week. Had a great conversation. And by the end of the second week, we were, we had a whole new operating model, which was our 50% reduction in anticipated revenue. And, uh, and we had already started asking the radical questions um, of getting our landlord to abate rents, you know, asking the bank to waive covenants for the remainder of the year, um, lowering, getting our, our investor to, um, to lower interest payments for the remainder of the year. So, you know, I, I guess I don't know for sure if that's quick, but that's, you know, in retrospect, seems pretty quick to me.
0: I, th- I think, Cam, I think it's extraordinarily quick from the all of the people that I've talked to. Some people are still coming to, and uh, you pivoted very quickly. So you said uh, 30% reduction, just so people who are listening to this podcast can understand. Did you have layoffs?
1: So that was... One of the toughest questions, the most stressful question for me, was really around our team um, in a number of respects. I mean, we're a you know majority family-owned, um, very f- family f- feeling business, and uh, and I you know I have a close relationship with everyone here. It's a small team. I mean, we have you know thirty people, um, and I. You know, so that was sort of the emotional reason for not wanting to um, to let anyone go. But there were also some practical reasons, too, um, you know, where I think right from the outset, we anticipated a strong recovery because of our the history of our industry doing well in recessions and the likelihood that people would want to be outside through all this. And so we didn't want to let folks go to only a few months later have to figure out how to rebuild. We didn't want to handicap our recovery. Um, but on the other hand, we, we really wanted to be smart and move as fast as possible to our worst case model. I mean, I, I think just the, the, the notion that if you have a limited supply of something, which in our case was going to be cash, that the faster you move to ration it, the longer you're going to survive. Um, so that was, that was hard to reconcile. And, uh, and, you know, and I think in the end for us, we kind of pulled what we would say was a Nemo, which was, we didn't, we didn't like our choices. And so we, we got creative and, and sort of reframed how we were thinking about it. And we said, you know what, let's, instead of furloughing anyone or laying off anyone, if the issue is that we may be for a period of time not able to fully utilize everyone, get full value out of everyone, let's figure out how to get full value out of everyone. And, uh, and so we we looked at whose jobs we thought might be impacted um, during the pandemic and we made a whole project list which included a bunch of things that would be about helping us recover and get back to thriving. And we assigned those duties out to everyone who we, who we perceived would be underutilized.
0: So I I know you're in your office today, as I am, but I also know that over the past couple of several months, you've spent some serious time at home, too. So I and you have uh, children and your wife works, but she's probably at home, too. I'm just wondering how the last few months of quarantine affect your relationships, whether it's with family, your management team.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, um, in so many ways, first of all, I you know, I have to caveat or give a preamble, I guess to 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 any sort of answers to questions like that um, in that I think I'm incredibly lucky, you know, and especially in these current circumstances of not only the pandemic but um, but with the social and racial justice issues that are really spotlighted right now, it, it makes me reflect on how much privilege I have in my life. You know, so I'm lucky to be married to a woman I could spend 24 hours a day with every day, and, and truly enjoy. Um, bit different story with a six and a ten year old. I mean, I love them to death, but um, but I'm an impatient, restless person, like so many of us. Uh, and uh, and so you know, being you know, being in the same home, you know, with two small children, um, was challenging. But but all together, I, I mean, I, I think the the, the learnings relationship wise have been largely about um, communication. you know and and before, especially, I mean, I'd say less so on the family side because again, I've, I'm you know I'm lucky to have great family, but um, but especially on the on the company side, I mean, pre-pandemic, I thought we had a good team. and uh, and I think um, you know that how how closely we've had to work together. Um, and the frequency with which we've had to pivot and solve problems and adapt together um, has shown me a whole nother level of communication.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that's a recurring theme that I hear from talking to uh, entrepreneurs, which is, like you said, we, we thought our communication was good. <laughs> and then we realize, you know, it's communication is everything. And so sometimes the words we use, the vocabulary we use, the timing, it all comes into, uh, into play and during this time particularly so. So you, um, have you changed thinking about being home, kids, um, your, your team, wanting to explore and find new ways to have a team be productive? Have you personally changed like what you do for self-care, whether it's, you know, workout, nutrition, sleep? I mean, how have you coped? so that you stay strong?
1: Yeah, you know, I would say this is an area, too, where maybe I'm lucky and maybe it's kind of just wired into me. But, you know, of course, you know, I run a brand that's in the outdoor industry, which is a a lifestyle industry, right? So, you know, I think for at least the last 18 years, but probably my whole life, um, you know, I've been thinking about issues of, getting outdoors and staying healthy and being physically fit and having some balance in life. So I think I was, I was well prepared, um, going into this, you know, and, and, and I've just turned up the volume on some of those things to kind of maintain mental health. So, you know, we've, as of that midweek, uh, uh as of mid March, um, my family has camped out 17 nights, um, essentially every weekend, uh, yeah. You know, which is which has been a saving grace for sure.
0: Well, that's that's a really good one, and so uh, I don't know if uh, listeners to positive enterprise value uh, can completely understand what you said. So here's Cam, the head of an outdoor brand, who is uh, he's walking the walk, baby. He's talking, he's walking the talk, which is camping out 17 nights in the past uh, 60 to 90 days. That's got to be a bit of a both a mental and a physical workout for your family too.
1: Yeah, for sure, and you know we. We've got a little piece of land um, up in, in Maine and uh, we bought it last fall, actually kind of in the nick of time. And, um, and there's, there was nothing on it when we bought the land. So, you know, a lot of what we've been doing has been just good manual labor. We, uh, we've essentially built a family camp there, built 10 platforms and uh, put up a wall tent and uh, made trails and, uh, and it's, You know, so I I think part of it is kind of staying busy um, and being productive and and making something which, you know, with your hands, which on some level is always satisfying. But it's also, though it's only two hours away, uh, you know, when we're there, we just feel so removed from, um, you know, all of these ongoing concerns. It's just it's easy to really relax.
0: Isn't it fabulous when you have a place where you, first of all, get away from your day-to-day geography and secondly get closer to mother nature how you could probably be there for an afternoon i know how it is when i'm on the atlantic ocean i only need to be there for a few hours
1: and i come back and i feel like i've been away yeah well and here's the thing about that too which i i, I would guess you would agree pete um i think it's counterintuitive maybe to people who haven't had this kind of adventure in a while or maybe maybe have never had this sort of adventure, but I always found with things like, for example, ice climbing, um, that it was strangely one of the most relaxing things I ever did. I mean, and that's not to say, he, you know, in the moment you wouldn't have anxiety about falling off of a frozen waterfall and dying. But um, but that's a different kind of stress than the pervasive and ubiquitous stresses of kind of daily life. And those would vanish when you're faced with your own mortality,
0: (laughs) you're so occupied, you're so occupied with survival. You can't
1: worry about the email that you forgot to return. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really centers you. And I I think the human brain is, is pretty good at dealing with even one or two severe stresses. It's just, it's just this din of kind of constant overwhelming amount of stuff. I think that really wears us down. So, you know, being out in the woods and, um, and just being concerned to put a shelter over your head or get a fire started uh, or being out in the ocean on, on your boat, right, I think is yeah. um, profoundly relaxing. So so as you've
0: spent time, um, you know, little time with your team and together and, lo- and less so the past several months, a lot of time with your family and intensively, a lot of time with your family in a different setting, the campsite that you built, the family campsite, have, is that given you this ex- virus experience, giving you time to sort of, you know, stare at the stars or put your hand over your eyes and stare at the ceiling and think about, are there other awakenings you're having about what your future lifestyle could look like?
1: You know, I, it's not the answer, I think, that you're perhaps seeking, but... Um, But again, I I would say for me, I I think, I think I, you know, I kind of come well prepared for this sort of crisis. Um, First of all, I I truly believe I'm a fighter at heart. I mean, I, I I like a good battle um, and there's a, there's a level of intensity of the challenge here and the focus that that brings and the camaraderie that's, that comes with it, um, that I actually enjoy just strictly from a business standpoint. I mean, we've had adversity over the, over the years and, um, and we've, that's been such an opportunity for learning and evolution and for cooperating together in a, in a really exciting way. Um, I don't have an issue with that. And, you know, as far as some of the conveniences and comforts of modern civilization being stripped away, I mean, my whole life I've been, you know, sort of seeking that on some level. I mean I, I make I make gear for outdoor adventure, you know. So right. I mean right. not being able to get toilet paper or pressure treated lumber or jump on an airplane, it's really not a problem for me. Yeah.
0: This is not a political question. It's a follow-up to what you just said. Was the quarantine a good idea?
1: I think there's absolutely no denying the mathematics of it, right? Um I think what I struggle with a little bit is, you know, if there's one thing that's been sort of a realization um, in the last few months, as far as kind of community and civilization as a whole, it's, you know, I think, I think human nature has really been laid bare through all this, right. And just, you know, the, the rush on everything, you know, the second, first of all, you know, how, the effect of the media on all of this, and then in turn people's knee-jerk reaction, um, the tendency of now of, of people to politicize it or, or oversimplify it and sort of attach ideology to it. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's and the, the, the lack of true leadership anywhere. Um, it's been it's been another sort of disappointing an embarrassing degree, to to moment for humanity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, resonate with what you're saying. I guess I would say that, um, the, the lack of character has been disappointing to me. However, the bright spot has been entrepreneurs, founders like you, uh, who, uh, have just like you said, you assume that mantle of leadership, took it on. Hey, bring it on, baby. If we're going to have some adversity, we can handle adversity and we're going to adapt. And entrepreneurs have inspired me. The people I've talked to have inspired me with how quickly they've, they've adapted. Would you say that, um, that Nemo uh, has adapted where it will invest or where it will allocate its resources now going forward from the virus?
1: I hope so. I mean, certainly our eyes are wide open and, and I would say, um, you know, one of the, the the real benefits of moving very quickly to that worst case model was it was only maybe three or four weeks into the crisis before we were able to, to really turn the corner and start thinking about the future. And, um, and so we actually, about four or five weeks in, we had our first all company day to brainstorm, you know, how are we going to be one of the fastest to recover? How are we going to, to, to start thriving faster um, than our competitors? And uh, and we put together, a you know, a, a significant list of um, of ways that we could evolve the business and, and sort of a redo of being a $30 million business. I mean, you know, and that's kind of how we talked about it was you know look we we were going to be a we were a 29 million dollar business in 2019 we were going to be a 32 33 million dollar business in 2020 now we're a 15 to 20 million dollar business we get to sort of do that trajectory over and uh, and let's make darn sure that when we come back to 30 we are a whole lot better at it than we were the first time around and um, and that's been really fun and satisfying and it's it's ironic but before any of this even occurred, um, we had already decided that our word for the year was going to be optimized. And my God, I mean, there couldn't be better circumstances for optimizing. So I'd say we're, we're really focused on that right now.
0: So when the bell rings and things go back to quote unquote normal, you and I know that, that normal is going to be different. But let's just for the purpose of this question, when the bell rings and things go back to normal, do you think there are some a behavioral or societal change that's going to stick.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, as you just sort of suggested, I mean, I, I guess I reject the pretense that the bell will ring. I mean, I, I think, I think yeah. we're sort of going to f- one day realize huh, we're 85% back to where we were in 2019. Um, but I, you know, I, I think um, it's going to be a long journey and I, I think there's going to be some bumps in the road. Um, and I think because because it's going to take a while to get there, I'm not sure we're even going to notice it's happening. Like, I don't think there'll be a moment where we say, okay, we're, we're back. There's the yeah. But, <laughs> for sure, you know, I mean, I, I, I think a whole lot of things are going to change, but I guess I, I look at it, the way I look at it is, it's sort of an immutable law of the universe that things are constantly in flux. You know, whether you look at that as improving or degrading, um, you know, there's not a lot of stasis anywhere in the universe. And, uh, and so I think we were already, there was already no such thing as, as sort of normal, as in a status quo that really stuck around for more than an instant. But I think what the pandemic has done is just accelerate A bunch of things yeah and um, and I I think that's fine I mean I think if if, you know just speaking in terms of Nemo um, if we were paying attention not too much of it should come as a surprise it just means now we need to really double down and invest and focus and for example make that digital transformation that we've been talking about for the last ten years
0: yeah yeah, I think that's right. I think there's so many of us entrepreneurs who feel like, in many ways, some of this future that we now have was in our business plan, but it was in our three- to five-year plan, and it turned out to be a 90-day plan. And I'm with you. Let's, let's embrace it. But on the other side of that, was, is there any um, talent that this quarantine experience has taught you that you
1: wish you had? You know, I'm an introvert, um, which is also in my favor, I guess, uh, through this, but in some ways. But um, but I think the degree to which it's been necessary to communicate, um, you know, was challenging for me at first. I mean, just getting used to speaking to 30 people or in some cases, you know, when we, we had our sales meeting virtually, I mean, we had almost 100 people um, connected virtually was awkward. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a great public speaker in the first place. Um, and I, I've realized how much I've depended on cues from other people, you know, like seeing a face and kind of looking at the body language yeah, and some of the reason why it's harder for me to talk to bigger groups because it becomes difficult to make those connections. Um, so that was challenging, but you know, it's, I also think if you let it, the human brain is, is so, it is so remarkable in its ability to adapt. And, uh, and so I've just tried to embrace that. Um, and I would say at this point, um, have gotten passively comfortable, um, in the virtual realm. And I also, you know, I, I, in terms of what things will go back and what things will be forever changed. I mean, you know, we had a sort of a zero tolerance policy about work from home before this, which seems almost laughable now. And, uh, and for myself, I thought, you know, I needed to keep work and home separate. And, uh, and I couldn't imagine being highly productive from my bedroom. Um, But, you know, here we are, and I'm quite sure I'll never go back to working full time in the office. I mean, I've actually found I'm here today, and and I'm here largely to have product team conversations, because those, there's no question we do better in person when we can stand around the physical samples and things like that. But, a lot of the work I do, I, I think, um, is is done more efficiently, actually, from my computer in a quiet place.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know me, I will travel to the ends of the earth to look someone in the eye if that's the important thing to do. But on the other hand, I reflect back on the last 10 years of my own travel, which is extensive. I travel almost half the time, or had been. and. I would say there was a lot of marginal travel that in retrospect, it won't come back. I mean, and probably there's a lot of, um, pretty marginal business meetings, you know, like large group meetings and so on that I don't know if it'll come back. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, in our industry, we're coming to terms with, we don't have any trade shows this year and, uh, and for that matter, since we're all learning how to live without trade shows now and save a whole lot of money, um, we may never have trade shows again. And there's good and bad parts of that. And, and the same is true for the many brief meetings that we used to travel long distances to have. Um, you know, actually, a good example is we um, last week we had a, a media event virtually. Um, And we had folks from, I think it was about 50 publications um, join us through MS Teams and we gave them a virtual tour of the office and a line showing and things. And we kind of kicked it off by acknowledging that on the one hand, so many of us are kind of getting tired of these, you know, because that was some of the feedback we heard from media folks uh, as they signed up for it. it was, you know, okay, I'll do it. But, you know, I'm kind of getting sick of these. But on the other hand, um, I'm quite certain most of them would never have seen the inside of our office, you know, if, yeah. if, if they'd had to come in person. Um, and similarly, you know, with our with our big trade shows and events, I mean, the benefit is we'll literally save hundreds of thousands of dollars this year and, and countless hours. Um, but on the other hand, and kind of to your point, we are missing the human connection and, and the, the sense of community of all being in, in one place. So... I think the tools will evolve. The practices will sort of hybridize. I mean, there's there's a new model that's sort of neither quarantine nor the old normal. Um, but there's no question in my mind that there'll be more virtual in how we run our business uh, going forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it uh, puts a special responsibility, I think, on us as leaders of entrepreneurial entities to think about how do you not lose? And how do you actually add to that sense of community inside your, inside your own business and in your industry to figure out ways to do it? it? Yeah. Yeah. Is Nemo going to have a, a, a summer party this year? A summer
1: party? Yeah. We will definitely, um, yeah, we will definitely, you know, and we've been trying to find little ways actually, you know, again, about a month or so into this, as we, tried to kind of turn the tables on things one of the things that we decided which really helped kind of both for the nemo team and personally was life is way too short like this quarantine is going to be here for a while life is way too short to give up a whole summer like guys we've got to figure out professionally and personally ways to thrive and uh and we've done you know the usual things of having virtual cocktail parties um but, you know, we're also starting to weave in um, little plans that we can safely have and just ways to continue to enjoy each other and, and have some good adventure. That's great.
0: Okay, last question. Do you have a piece of advice or a piece, uh, a piece of insight that you would love to give to another entrepreneur or owner, manager about what you've learned during this quarantine?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the biggest... I think that perhaps the best piece of advice I could give just kind of comes back again to my own experiences in the outdoors. I mean, for for a bunch of years, I was really into mountaineering and ice climbing and uh, had a few epic um, near disaster trips and uh, one on Denali in Alaska in particular, where I just I realized that um, the destination is just a brief moment in time. Right, and the journey is how we spend most of our lives, and uh, and so for me, it's like, I, and this has always been true, and and continues to be true with Nemo that I don't have a, I don't have something very specific in mind as a current state of being or as an eventual outcome that if I don't accomplish, I'm going to be disappointed. You know what what I'm what I'm after is. Is an adventure. I mean, I I want my life um, to be interesting and filled with a need to make um good choices and work together as a team and kind of adapt and solve problems. And I think if you if you bring that mentality to it, you're much more robust when it comes to some disruption, right? Because for us, you know, this is um not ideal circumstances and it's brought lots of challenge, but but the flip side of it is all the things that I've, you know, I've just said. I mean, we've we've had some of our most kind of beautiful moments as a team through all this, you know, and how we've handled it, um, figured out how to per- persevere anyway. So I think if what you're looking for is that, um, then you can always find a way to, um, you know, to um, be satisfied. But if it's this very specific, I, you know. Today is different than yesterday, so I'm disappointed. Um, Good luck with life because it's, you know, constantly bringing twists and turns.
0: (laughs) You know, I hadn't thought of this until this minute, but listening to you, it strikes me that you may be the entrepreneur that I know who's most temperamentally suited to having this quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Cam, I want to thank you very, very much for spending time with me. That's uh, fantastic. I've enjoyed our conversation.
1: Thanks so much, Pete, same here.
0: I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. We believe that entrepreneur owner managers are the most powerful pro-social and pro-economic force on the planet. And it's for that reason that we dedicate our firm, Bigelow, to working exclusively with them. At Positive Enterprise Value, we freely share our learning so that you can absorb from the experiences of other private business owners with skin in the game, just like you. Bigelow is widely regarded as the M&A advisor that deals exclusively with high-performing entrepreneur owner-managers. Our scrappy independent boutique firm only offers one service, that is to help build and someday capture enterprise value. You can find all of the episodes on this podcast on Bigelow's website, which is bigelowllc.com.